You are about to enter a great adventure. This is Starting from Gorilla. Everybody, it's true, it's true. Striding from Gorilla is back with a brand new episode. Today we're doing a superstar spotlight on our boy, the Olympic gold medalist, the originator of the three eyes, intensity, integrity, and intelligence, Kurt freaking Angle. Uh, so as always, myself, Mikey Cash is here. Alongside me is Big Vito. How you doing, Big Vito? I won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck, Mikey Cash, okay? This guy, Kurt Angle, Olympic hero, one of the best wrestlers, in my opinion, in WWE history. I'm excited about this spotlight today. We've been waiting a while to do this. I'm, right. I'm pumped, I'm pumped. You and me both, my friend, you and me both. So as you can tell, Big Vito is enthusiastic. He's ready to get going. But before we do that, we need all you jabronis to find us on the socials. So the rundown is Facebook at SFG Podcast, Twitter and TikTok at from underscore gorilla, on Instagram at SF Gorilla Pod, and our website, strutningfromgorilla.com. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review. We'd appreciate it. Now, without further ado, Vito, Kurt Angle, Pennsylvania's own, the American hero. He won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. Multiple-time WWE champion. Uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, Multiple-time match of the year candidate. I mean, what what more did this guy do? You know, what? what's great about this superstar spotlight, unlike a lot of the other ones, is I feel like me and you both saw the beginning of his career. It's true. All the way to the end of his career, right? So that's something that um, I don't know that we've had the pleasure of being able to do with some of these other superstars. Like we were really young when we talked about The Undertaker Mm -hmm. and Austin and uh, Mick Foley and Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. So I I remember uh, Kurt coming in and being like, who is this jabroni? Like we got this guy coming in and I don't, what were your first thoughts on him? Because I remember the day he came in. Like I, I remember it yesterday um, and he came in and just took off like a rocket ship. You well, know, I remember the vignettes that were airing before Survivor Series 99. And it was and you could tell already that he was a heel, but he didn't know he was a heel. He honestly thought that he was just like boasting about how good he was uh, in the Olympics and the fact that he wanted to bring some legitimacy to pro wrestling. And I think in his mind, he thought that was a good thing. But everybody that was watching it was, well, you know, you know how we as fans are pretty protective and defensive of the business. So I think that that already set him up to come in as a heel. Uh, I remember watching that match. Uh, it was it, it was at Survivor Series. It was against Sean Stasiak. Do you remember that guy? Or he was I wrestling remember. as meat yep. for a time because he was meat. like coming out with yeah. like Terry Reynolds Terry and, Reynolds. and yep. was it Ivory or Jacqueline? It was like one of the two. He had like two women with him. And the match was like a complete dud. It actually was like not a great match. 
So I, I, I was like, oh, well, I guess we'll see. But it, I guess he's one of the exceptions to not make like, having a first impression that that you just build off of. So he was he made quite the impression after that match because, as you could tell, the the guy just took off. His promo skills were something that I, I don't think I've ever seen somebody grow with before as just a natural heel like that. I loved his style of promo, the, how he would enter and he'd be sort of like giving a promo as he's walking down the ramp, coming to the ring. I just loved that style. You, you don't see a lot of that anymore. It's very much like uh, an MJF type of promo, not In to like the intensity that MJF has, but it's like that same thing where he'll come in and, and give you something and you're like, oh, this guy's not a heel. And then all of a sudden he jabs at you, right? Yeah. You'd be like, yeah. you know, today we're going to talk about intensity, right? The intensity and the integrity of Philadelphia. And then he'll put in a jab about the Steelers or whatever it might be. <laughs> and the crowd just goes bananas mm-hmm. and, and hates him. Um, but then, you know, it's hard not to hate him. But he also was this gold medalist. And I, I remember thinking, like, who's Kurt Angle? Because <laughs> right, right. I watched the AE, not AEW, um, A&E documentary on Kurt Angle, which is really good if you get a mm-hmm. chance and you want to learn more about Kurt Angle. Not, not just, like, his wrestling career, but beforehand, everything that led up to it, yeah. his, his Olympic uh trials and um some of the the troubles he had which we'll talk about um but the thing that stuck out that i remember is wwe offered kurt angle a contract right after he won the the gold that's right that's right they wanted him and he turned it down he was never this big wrestling guy he knew wrestling um but he turned it down and then years later he wanted to go into the wrestling and and wanted to take them up on it but it was too late right and the money that they offered him before they didn't offer him again because why would they all of a sudden you're taking the fame that he had at that time and yeah i think it was like it was something like two years later after he had already won the gold medal and and to that point, I think in 96, isn't that also when they signed Mark Henry? Yeah, I believe you're right. And he was the same. He was presented, and I, I think the same light they wanted to present Kurt Angle. Which you're was, right. He was this American hero because Mark Henry was also on the Olympic team. And I, I think, I, I wonder if they signed Mark Henry as a plan B. I don't know. I have no idea. But I, I was just curious if maybe they couldn't get Kurt Angle, so they got Mark Henry which both of those investments turned out. So no one's complaining oh, about it. hundred um, percent. You know, the one story that I always, and, and I don't know if this is a true story or not, but I, I heard it all the time when he was coming into wrestling. Mm-hmm. I know he, after WWE, he turned it down. I'm sure he looked at other wrestling yeah, promotions. He, he went to ECW for, um, for like a quick cup of coffee. He was talking with, uh, with Heyman. Oh. I want to say it was 97 or something like that. And he, yeah, was, thinking about doing it and he was like kind of close to signing with them at one point which was just kind of mind-boggling when you just think about the culture at ECW and all, all just the way things were in that kind of environment all the drug use and the hardcore matches 
there wasn't a, a super big focus on technical wrestling. So anyway, I, I remember hearing about this on the rise and fall of ECW DVD. <laughs> I was watching that and just never knew this story that he was ready to sign. He was backstage with Heyman. And I think that's when they did the whole crucifixion angle with, um, was it Raven and Stevie Richards or something like Sandman. that? Sandman. Oh, Sandman. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And as soon as he saw that, I guess Kurt Angle just got completely turned off and, and said, I, I'm out of here. I'm not doing it. And, and I think next thing you know, he hooked up with uh, with WWE and, and the Funks who trained him. So wild, wild. You know, what's funny about that is I bet he would have put on some absolute bangers. Dude, he would have. Because he would have. years later, those same guys that were there at the time, Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, um, Juventud well, even Guerrero. Raven. I, I think Ra- yeah. if, can you imagine Angle versus that form of Raven? Not the Raven that was in WWF and was just jobbed out, but yeah. that version of Raven? That would have been awesome. Oh, would have been unbelievable. Um, even Taz, him and Taz. Yeah. I mean, they had, you, you got to remember though, like he ended up having all of these matches in WWE. True. With some of these True. guys like, and so I'm curious to see what it would have been like in. In ECW. that format. What yeah, it yeah, yeah. Like right. in, in that world, in the ECW right. world, how would that have been booked? What would have been the story behind it? Right. Would have been it, great. Right. Yeah, yeah. Without, without the restraints that WWF had been putting on people at that time or even yeah. now, but it would have been well, interesting. I agree. And, and the crazy part is, you know, years, uh, years later, you can go back and look and, and even in the documentary, they talked a lot about how quickly mm-hmm. he adapted to wrestling, right? As a guy who was never this giant fan of yeah. wrestling, he just was a worker right he was a giant worker and before we get into his career there are some things i want to talk about that i Let's think do it that i think really transformed mm-hmm. the guy that we saw in the ring mm-hmm. um and ultimately led to a lot of the personal problems he had and his fallout yeah. with wwe to go to tna and um the path he chose so you know, at the beginning, they talk in this documentary a lot about his dad who died at a really young age, mm-hmm. um, and it really affected Kurt Angle. Then you go on, and years later, um, you know, he has this desire and this motivation that you don't see from a lot of people. Like, right. the top athletes in the world always have this mindset. And, you mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot that goes into a physical athlete that sure. you can't teach, Right. But beyond that part, what takes people to the next level in the Olympics or in professional sports is your mindset and how you get there. And to me, that psychological part, I'm always so enthralled by because you never know what their motivation is. And you can't teach some of this stuff and the dedication they have. And watching the documentary when he was training for the Olympics, you could tell like he was he was training like multiple multiple hours a day and he was doing training that was longer and harder than most other olympic athletes and he would train till failure and then keep going which is crazy to me yeah it's like it's remarkable it is remarkable it is and it's like what's that desire like what is it and i a lot of it stemmed from his dad 
like he had this motivation. He told his dad he wanted to do certain things and he kept that. And that was a lot of his motivation. And I find it fascinating. No, it, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and for, for any of our listeners right now, it, I would encourage you to check out, it's an episode of a podcast called Real Ones. It's with John Bernthal. And he was, for people who watched the Netflix show Punisher, he was the Punisher. Uh, so he, he is actually related to Kurt Angle. He's sort of married into the family. And so he has Kurt Angle on and Kurt shares a lot about his past and shares a lot about the upbringing. And there was a, that family, the Angle family was very well known as being tough. That was sort of their their reputation. His brothers were people that would go around and pride themselves on winning fights. People would challenge Kurt Angle's brothers to to just fights because they they would hear about it. And and it sounds like something out of like West Side Story or something. You know, like people just walking up to you, like, "Hey, what do you say? Let's fight." You know, like it's a weird <laughs> thing. But Kurt Angle was saying, "Hey, that this was sort of my everyday." And and I think that sort of culture getting instilled in him and that that idea of you have to be tough you can't be showing any sort of signs of weakness so i think for him the, the he called it exhaustion training where he would train to the point of exhaustion and then continue and that for him that was his way of building up stamina and uh you know to to another point Vito, outside of his dad one of the bigger mo- uh, mentors in his life was uh dave schultz who was an amateur wrestler at the time and was under uh, sort of the Fox catcher team. And for people who don't know about this, uh, John DuPont, he was the heir to the DuPont fortune uh, in, I think it was in Pennsylvania, sort of out there in Pennsylvania. He was this bill- like millionaire, billionaire, philanthropist, but he also had uh, incredible interest in training athletes uh, and not personally training, but he would sort of front all the money. He was sort of like a backer for that kind of thing. And at one point, Kurt Angle was at on the sort of the DuPont, I guess, compound. I don't know what we would have called it, but he basically yeah. was there on the grounds and he was training under Dave Schultz. And on for for those who, who don't know, unfortunately, Dave Schultz was was murdered by John DuPont. And, you know, when we talk about some of the things that Kurt Angle has been through, losing his father and now also losing a, a very close mentor who he considered very fatherly slash brother in Dave Schultz. Uh, it's gotta be, it was incredibly formative for him. You have to imagine. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Your dad passes away at a young age and doesn't get to see you do all this. And you're already motivated by that because you know, he cared about his dad. Then you take into effect his next father figure was this guy, um, David Schultz. And all of a sudden he's training for, for the Olympics with mm-hmm. this guy and he gets murdered. Like, think about that. You're in the middle of a this extremely yeah. difficult, challenging, you know, goal and achievement, and you're you're getting there. And the guy who's the motivation, the teacher, gets murdered in the middle of it. What do you do? You know? And the Kurt worked with his wife to help finish out mm-hmm. the sponsorship. Right. Of his Olympic run. And to me, I don't know if if that doesn't happen. Sure. I'm sure Kurt still goes in and and probably has a similar chance. But I think a lot of it going into it, you know, you look at that and it's like, how do you not fail 
how do you not take the exhaustion that you have and then train harder because of it, you know, with that motivation. And, um, you know, I think from a mental standpoint, it obviously gives you ammunition to do well, but I think there are underlying layers, which you see come up in his career later on. Sure. That rather than dealing with the emotional trauma of a lot of it, he used it as motivation and that's great. But I think there are parts that come out in, in his addiction that yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't address well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you add in the fact that as he's going along after he wins the, the gold medal, you know, he has to deal with his sister who has mm-hmm. addiction issues to drugs right. and she dies. Right. And it's just a lot to put on one mm-hmm. single person. I don't care if you're the most mentally tough person in the world. If you don't address those and deal with things like that the correct way, it's going to come out and, and bite you some way down the line. And and I think you saw that with him and, and we'll talk about that. But, you know, so he, you know, he his trainer dies, um, gets murdered. Mm-hmm. And he goes on and, and wins the Olympic gold medal, right? right? Like huge achievement. And he does it with a broken freaking neck. Like, and that's legit. And, and it was a, it was a close match, right? Like, yeah. I think if you go back and look, um, it came down to the judge's decision, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, and, I think so. I think so. And it was very, very close and he ended up winning, but he wasn't supposed to be in that match. He legit had a broken neck. And he pushed through it and still won. And there were there were points in the match where he was targeting his neck. Um, and you could see, you know, and it made sense from a, from a opponent's side to do that. You have a weakness. Well, you're trying yeah, to win course. a gold medal. Yeah. I mean, that's that's amateur wrestling, pro wrestling 101. I mean, that's psychology, right? You're gonna, yeah. There's a weakness. I'm going to try to exploit it. Yeah. I, I think that whatever shot he got some sort of cortisone shot or something in his neck that I think completely like blocked the nerve. So he didn't feel anything, he said. Yeah. He said once after the initial break and in between the matches, he gets this shot and so the guy's going for his neck and he's like, I don't feel anything. I'm just right. he's like, I'm hearing all of these things happen, like all this crunching, which is, yep. I can't imagine what that's like. But wow. he's just pushing through it and ends up winning the gold medal and and I, I think it's a it's it's a great achievement. It's something that very few of us as people end up doing. So I think that pu- puts him in rarefied air to me, at least. Yep. But to sort of bounce, sort of go off of your point, Vito, he's a, he has so many losses. And as we were talking about the the kind of culture he grew up in, which is you don't show weakness, you just keep moving, you just keep working only sustains you to a point and then yep. it becomes hurtful towards you yep. to, to be to not be processing that kind of thing so I, i'm not going to get all social working on us right now because this is a pro wrestling podcast but the bottom line is these are things that were definitely influencing him and continue to build up as he gets into pro wrestling which we're going to talk about now yeah so he trains for, you know a couple of years past the oh Vito, did you want? Uh, to yeah, I just that? wanted to say, you know, he's training, but I, I, the the reason we talk about his past and all of this stuff going on mm-hmm. is, we talked about him being this green guy who comes into wrestling, right? But even guys who are pro wrestlers that train their entire life don't 
ascend the way he does and don't come in and adapt to wrestling the way he does so quickly. That's right. And I think it's because of that work ethic and his mm-hmm. ability to want to win and his ability to want to do well is that, and you combine it with his amateur wrestling style, he was able to ascend so quickly. And yeah. there's a lot of parallels there. And I, I just wanted to kind of point that out as we talk about him getting into the wrestling business. Oh, no, thank you, Vito. That makes perfect sense. Uh, so so he's using this motivation. He's got incredible, incredible work ethic. He's got incredible skill. The guy catches on like wildfire. Uh, many people within the wrestling business say that they have never seen someone catch on to pro wrestling like Kurt Angle has. It And... Quite frankly, uh, watching his development from that 99 Survivor Series match, which, listen, personally, I thought it was a dud, but it only got better from there. And what Royal Rumble 2000, he has that match with the debuting Taz, and that was a really good match. That was <laughs> that was a great match. I mean, I remember being pumped for Taz when I oh, was me there, too. But uh, And then he has probably one of the most incredible years a rookie has ever, I, I've ever seen. So he wins the European title, he wins the Intercontinental title, and then October, he wins the King of the Ring before that in June, and then October 2000, no mercy, he's going one-on-one with the great one, and he beats him, middle of the ring, one, two, three, and he wins his first WWF championship, which is remarkable, I mean, Vito, like, is that not one of the best years you could have in your rookie year? You just basically made yourself a Grand Slam winner. No, it's it's probably one of the best you'll see, um, and and the way that it happened is phenomenal. And it's not it's not one of these. Hey, I'm a third generation superstar. Like I need to be pushed to the moon and back. Like he earned it. And um, dude. Yeah. And and I think as fans, that's what you want to see, right? Like you want to see someone who is, you don't know the behind the scenes stuff at that no, time no. and all of that, but you can feel it. You can feel a difference with, with a wrestler who's, who's doing that and working hard. And I think, you know, as you continue to go down that road, the, the grind of all of it, mm-hmm. and especially he was going at a million miles an hour, <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> and we talked about this a lot in, in our, in our podcast about, you know, the pressure you have from being on the top and you don't want to lose that top spot because the minute you lose that, that momentum, it can be challenging. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's going, doing all these things. And at that time, the schedule is not even remotely close to what it is now. You're working 300 plus days a year. Right. You're on the right. road. Much more grueling. You're working through injuries, um, you know, whether it's serious or not. Um, and you're making decisions because you're an independent contractor and you have a limited amount of money mm-hmm. and you can take this lightning bolt and keep riding it. Or you take time off if you have injuries and risk the chance of coming back and, and, and losing that momentum. And um, he went so fast, so hard. It yep. was, it, it was challenging. And so, I mean, think about, let, before we get on to like, sure, you know, some of the downfalls of all of that, like some of his career highlights, like I think when I think of Kurt Angle, one of my favorite matches, um, it wasn't even with a real wrestler. It was with Shane McMahon. Like, uh, yeah. when, 
I, was it King of the Ring? I yeah, it was, it was King, King of the, of the Ring, Ring. 2001. Yeah, and he, he goes to try and throw him through the... Uh, the plate glass. The and plate it, glass. They got yep. the wrong glass for it. They, I guess they ordered the wrong one because if they was ordered it, it thinner, it would have exploded during the pyro. So they had to get oh. regular <laughs> plexiglass. I, I don't know if it was plexiglass or some other form of glass, but bottom line is that's why none of it broke on the first throw. So he's just dropping Shane on his head a couple yeah. of times. And Shane was like, do it again. And Kurt's like, I don't want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hurt you. Yeah. No, that was, that was one of my, that was one of my favorite matches that he had. Um, it was, it was great. Uh, but, but one thing we forgot to talk about, and I always laugh at this because I never realized any of this, but his entrance music they gave him mm-hmm. it's generic entrance music. It is. So the, the the ones that he comes out to and everyone chants, you suck. Yeah. You suck. So I, I didn't realize this until I watched WWE Network and Sergeant Slaughter came out to that same music years ago. Um, it's just a generic track that they used. And I had no idea. No idea. I, I hope that that's not a WWE Network edit. I, no, I don't think it is. All right. I don't, because think I, don't I, I just don't know anymore half the time when I watch old I stuff know, that I know. they lose music rights or whatever, or they change things or yeah, you, know you, you might be right, but I don't think it is because it was just a generic track that um that it's kind of like the Hardy Boys. Theirs is a generic track too. And it yeah, it just took off. But now think about it. That's how big of a star you are. You can take generic music and then all of a Make sudden, it <laughs> yeah. And he never changed his music uh, outside of going to other promotions. Right. Um, but uh, it just, it that that's crazy to me that he could take that. And, you know, you just, <laughs> it just reminded me. I thought I was thinking about Kurt Angle's music and I'm fairly certain that the Patriot also came out to that music. He did. He did come out oh to that. Oh my God. Yep. Wow. Yeah, he did. Vince, yeah. Just recycling music for various wrestlers. Good for you. But like, that's, that's the type of thing. Like, you know, you have the it factor mm-hmm. when you can come out to generic music and it doesn't matter because like the music is like a, is a big part of, of the entertainment experience. Right? Yeah, and when you take that out of the equation and you can make any of that work, like it just, to me is like, wow. Oh, that's impressive. You know, yeah, anyone can take this music and do well, but all of a sudden you're taking it and you're doing, you don't even, I don't know. It just, it, yeah. it, it, even you, you hear that music, you automatically know Kurt Angle. You don't think Patriot or Sergeant Slaughter or anybody else who came out to that. So, all right. So dude, we've, we've touched on some of like his, his matches, like some of his accolades we've touched on his music. Yeah. Should we talk a little bit about some of his promos slash backstage oh. segments? Because I feel like some of those were comedy gold. Yeah, I mean, okay, what was one of your your favorite? Because I, I can oh, name a dozen. For me, for me, it, it this is personal, hands down. It was during the whole invasion angle. And I it was when Austin and him were both kind of injured. So they were doing a lot of backstage stuff. And like there's a whole series of them where it's Austin like playing the guitar and then oh. Kurt Angle gets it and he's like, Jimmy Crackhorn and I don't care. <laughs> and, like, or he, when he gets like the hats. <laughs> and, and so like Austin buys Vince this like Stetson hat and then he and then Kurt comes in and he's like, oh, did you get me one? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets him like a little kid's cowboy hat and he's like, yippee Kaye. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and, and it has one of the best lines 
and it's it's like a kind of a throwaway line by Austin in in this, but it's still it's something that I say to to Mango to this day, which is I like you not very much, but I like you, and it's <laughs> like my I don't know why, but that like get that just gets me every time. But oh, those it's... those promos with him and Austin had such great chemistry together, uh, it, both in the ring and and on the mic. It was phenomenal. I mean, he had chemistry with everybody. It wasn't just even Austin. And and I think that was half the reason, like the, the thing about him is he was very authentic and, you know, he was himself and he took it and he ran with it. And he even said it in his Hall of Fame speech. He's just like, you got the Kurt Angle that was Kurt Angle. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you got an authentic me and whatever you do, you go in and you own it. Cause if he didn't do that and yeah. he went in and just kind of like, I don't really want to do this. Like he took what was told to him to do and who knows, probably put his own spin on it a little bit, but I'm sure um, to me, my favorite uh, was the um, sexy Kurt. Like I, and, <laughs> when he, <laughs> it just, he came out and is the way he, almost mimicked Shawn Michaels and changed the lyrics around. And then to bring out sensational Sherry with him while he mm-hmm. did it. Oh dude, it was just so good. And yeah. you know, like, it, Oh, it was, it was, that was my favorite by far. Oh, okay. What about that the signs with edge? Remember those? Like the, like the first, the first time they did it. Cause they just did it recently when he was back on and yep. I loved it. They, they yep. did a really good job of like kind of come in full circle with it. But yep. the first one was so good because yep. he was, I, I just love that. I love that stuff. But that's where the, you suck chant came from. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was edge, right? I think it was on an episode of Smackdown. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you suck. And then just the fans took off. And I mean, I love how the you suck chance during his um, intro mm-hmm. when he was heel, it was a heel thing to, to say to somebody. Yeah, absolutely. But then when he was not a heel and he was baby faced, people still did it and <laughs> it oh, became like remember... a, a, cent, a center of love. <laughs> now I'm having a flood of memories. Do you remember? I think it was back in 03, but he, he had a rap battle with John Cena back yep. when he was thugonomics yep. john cena and it was so, it was like ridiculous but it was great yeah it was really good and i think you know the the other part outside of his amazing promos and mm-hmm. there's one we didn't talk about which i think you're gonna mention in in a little bit but um the thing is like not only was he he funny good on the mic and a great wrestler but I think a lot of people had no choice but to respect him. Yes. Because he was a badass motherfucker. Like Dude, he uh, was. Like there are times, so I think there was a little animosity between him and Brock Lesnar because you got this NCAA beast of a man. Right. Who also was a wrestler and comes in and he was a little bit younger, but clearly twice as big as Kurt like just oh yeah I I mean he's a monster of a man he was this collegiate standout and yeah before he got into WWE yeah remarkable but you know who didn't give a shit about that Kurt fucking Angle Kurt Angle and so I didn't know about this till recently over the last year or so but like I think the two of them just had this 
beef and i don't think if like in the ring there's no beef right like i think it was just more of like this unspoken beef of who's the better wrestler you right know, it, it was who's a the tougher motherfucker it was comp- yeah. it's competition is yeah what who's the t- who's the tougher motherfucker that's really mm-hmm. it like who is it who is it and um from what i understand uh they got into a legit wrestling match yeah and kurt angle kicked his ass Kurt Angle did kick his ass. I think this happened also in 2003 or something like that. They were just backstage and shooting the shit. And next thing you know, they're having a legit match. They're having a legit amateur wrestling match against one another. And and Kurt Angle took him down. I couldn't believe. I was actually surprised because, I mean, look at Lesnar. He's gigantic. He's got Mm -hmm. great reach. He's got the size. He's got the agility. Yeah. But you're messing with an Olympic gold medalist. Dude knows what he's doing. He had this other level, like he's got a tenacity, remember. a tenacity about him. Is the word yeah, that comes to mind. But even in a, in the wrestling matches, like think about it, there were times, and it was like his signature. You know, you get like Hulk Hogan, he'll he'll like Hulk up. He does yeah. that like thing. Angle had this like other level, this switch, right? Like he'd be in these grueling long matches. Mm-hmm. Like there's matches he had with with. Um, Eddie Guerrero yep. with Chris Benoit, where they would be technical matches and steal the show. Mm-hmm. I think of the Royal Rumble. Uh, I don't remember which one it is, but it's 2003, the, him versus Benoit. I just that, watched it last yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. That was the one where, you know, Triple H faced Scott Steiner and <laughs> it was like a, it sucked. A dud. Yeah, I was actually there. I was there at that one. Oh, because it was in Boston. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, I was there, and I remember that show, that match, stealing the show, and being like, "Wow, that was one of the better matches I've seen ever." Yeah. And the thing is, like, you get into it, and he'd be wrestling for twenty five, thirty minutes, and all of a sudden, you know, he would do a suplex, and then he would hit this other gear, and like it was his quickness. He'd get up and sprint on the ropes, and then suplex yep. you, and it was like this other gear. And you don't see somebody do that when they're that tired. And um, it just to me was crazy. And unfortunately, as you got older, you know, the second run in WWE when he came back and he tried to wrestle a little bit, he didn't have that anymore. And yeah. it's just natural with age and his body being weathered. We can we can get to that, but do should we talk a little bit about? some of our favorite matches of his. I mean, we yeah, talked definitely. about some promos. Should we talk about yep. a little bit of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Vito, what's what's on your list? What are some personal favorites of yours? Well, I talked about Shane McMahon. Yep. That one is one of my favorite. Um, I, you know, if I'm like, if you're just saying, okay, think of Kurt Angle, mm-hmm. what matches come to mind? There are two that I will I will say. Number sure. one is the Shawn Michaels match. And again, yep. we Agreed. come back and it's always Shawn Michaels. Agreed. But um, you know, you put two of those performers that are probably the tops of all time. And I mean, look at the match you got. And it was from Kurtz. I remember him talking about it. It's one of his favorites too. Absolutely. And he was like, it was an effortless match. Like it, it was just like, I mean, him had this chemistry and, mm-hmm. it, you know, it flowed and blah, 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 blah. But it, that was a great match and beautiful match. Um, the other one that comes to mind is the Lesnar match. And I think he had multiple matches. Yeah, he had a few. But I think about the um, the the WrestleMania match where Brock had the shooting star press that he botched. He messed up. Yeah, which he used to do all the time in... Um, OVW. Yeah, OVW. Yeah. Um, but that match was, was an awesome one, too. 
Um, you got these two hard hitting guys that, uh, would go after each other and you talk about suplexes. Those two are going to put it on you and you could have had them in an amateur. Oh my God. Match. Yeah. 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 What, what are yours? Uh, well, we've had some crossover cause I, I, I agree with you. The HBK match is, is unbelievable. Uh, also that mania 19 match is great too. I, I personally enjoyed their Iron Man match later on in the year. It was like September of that year. They had it on SmackDown. They had an Iron Man match on SmackDown. And it was really good, dude. It was a great... That was a great match. Uh, for people who don't know, Lesnar and Angle also fought outside of WWF. The, in 2006, they fought in New Japan. One match. And it I was... didn't know that. Dude, you can find it on YouTube. <laughs> it's really hard hitting. It's, it is definitely strong style, but with the the technical gifts that Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar bring to a wrestling ring. And this was before Brock Lesnar really changed his style up to what we know of it today. But I could see how this match might have inspired that the the beginning of that turn. So that that's a that that's just a little maybe a hidden gem. But just people should look for that. Also versus Undertaker at No Way Out in 06 as well. Yeah, uh, dude, that match was too. a fucking masterpiece, especially yeah. for that was during that period of time when Taker was just having bangers. So that yeah. uh, unbelievable. People should check that out. Obviously, the the Royal Rumble match in 2003 against Chris Benoit. However you feel about Benoit, the match itself is is unreal and is is a real masterpiece in my view of storytelling. Um against Samoa Joe, Genesis 2006, his TNA pay-per-view debut. Those those guys just absolutely beat the hell out of each other, but it's such a great match from start to finish. Great psychology between the two. Uh, he had great chemistry with AJ Styles as well. So, Slammiversary 08, check that out. Um, am I going on too much? I kind of feel like I'm doing one of your Not at all. Here, I'm no. like, I have one, but I really have eight. So, I have... You- First of all, do you ever think I would yell at you for that? Never. I don't think you would. I don't think you would. I was—I don't know why I got in my own head as I'm sitting here ranting on it. Uh, a couple more. And one of them is probably, in, in my personal view, the best triple threat match WWE has put on. And it's Vengeance 2002. It's The Undertaker versus Kurt Angle versus The Rock for the Undisputed Championship. The I don't know what the hell was going on. Because I, I don't think we ever saw the, those three guys in a match together again. But the, the, the stars aligned. And everything was clicking with all three of them. And I, I think people should check that out. Just unbelievable chemistry there. Really great moveset variations. They were all sort of doing each other's finishers. But in like you got like Rock gave Undertaker a choke slam, and it's like one of the weirdest things you'll ever see. But it's a great match, a really fun match to watch. That's what I would say. It's like a really fun triple threat match. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, just check out his matches with Austin at SummerSlam 2001. Check out his match against Rock and No Way Out 2001. I mean, those guys, Angle, really. I guess what this is a testament to is just how versatile and just how great of a performer Kurt Angle was. I mean, you already mentioned Eddie Guerrero too. I mean, there there isn't a person out there that Kurt Angle couldn't have a good match with. Yep. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> Mike 
I one one agree. exception. Uh, Baron Corbin is the one person. Oh that yeah, match well, with. yeah, and, good point. Uh, I have a whole I have a whole thing about that, but we, we can we'll, wait on that. We'll we'll get to that one. Um, you know, you talk about his versatility and stuff. I you know there is one backstage thing that I forgot to mention that I do want to touch on because it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know I can't remember his matches with Triple H. I'm sure they were good. I don't were, remember them. I don't remember them. They're not like one that pops in my head. I'd have to go back and look. But he had this like, uh, it was a, a feud with Triple H, but where he was like Stephanie's best friend. And oh yeah, dude, that killed me. That killed me because because tri- Chris Jericho was involved in that too. It was like he this was, whole thing between and and um oh it was so good and he he played it off perfectly like what's your problem triple h i'm just best friends with stephanie and then they would go backstage and he's like stretching her and i remember that because didn't uh didn't triple h end up doing the same thing with trish because it was supposed yeah to pretty a match, much and then stephanie walks in and he was like showing her something it looked it looked like yeah a very mm-hmm. precarious situation so it was yep that was funny that was funny. Yeah, and it was like this. They they were on the same side, but Triple H clearly hated Kurt Angle. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he and, did. Uh, he did. It was just like this simple stuff like that that was awesome, you yeah. know? No, just the way they played it off. They had – I think that's – it's just a testament to, to Angle, really. The guy – it's – the word that keeps coming up is versatility, but look yeah. at him. I mean, this guy was able to adjust – to whatever situation he was in, whatever opponent he was he was facing in the ring, uh, I, I mean, l- look at the when you look at all the matches this guy had. Some of them, I mean, for for a guy who hated having stipulation matches, which he would he said he did that Hell in a Cell match. That remember that big six man that he was a part of, of that course, freaking yeah. phenomenal match. And One then with his, the Rock promo, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The famous Rock promo. Mm-hmm. And then his like you said, his street fight with Shane. I mean. The TLC match that he had with the Shield, that was probably his best match in his last yeah. run. Yeah, agreed. No, look, I I don't disagree with that. So, you know, before we get into, like, the downfalls I know. of his career and, like, what happened, why isn't this guy, like, <clears throat> revered in WWE? Like, we, we, we'll touch on that. Um, but, like, you know, we're talking about all these matches. Like, what are some of like the dream matches. And I, I think we've talked about some of these before, oh, of course. but like, if you were to pick, you know, one, maybe two matches that we haven't seen that you would like to see with Kurt Angle, who would it be? And like, it doesn't have to be right now. It could be mm-hmm. like Kurt Angle in his prime versus someone else in his prime, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I think everyone's, and I think this was on one of my own lists too, but Kurt Angle versus Bret Hart. Yeah, I no mean, that's I think that's a lot of people's technical fantasy match is yeah. those two going at it. Uh, also, I I would say him and Finn Balor because I'm just a Finn Balor guy. So I just love I, I love that dude. I love the work that he that that he puts out there. So I think those two could have a, a really great match as well. What do you think? Yeah, I mean Brett Brett was obviously my number one. Yeah. I mean, I would I would also think like a match in his prime versus uh like Danielson, right? Yeah. yeah Brian totally. Danielson would be a good one. I mean, you take these guys and you look at some of his better matches against the 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 Guerreros, Benoit's, like who are those guys now? And mm. you know, it would be like the 
Brian Danielson. Like that's who is yeah. the technical guy yeah. now. <clears throat> um, but I mean, I'm sure we could come up with a, a million others because it's going to be a good match. No matter, no matter what you do. Um, right. That's why I just put down all the elite guys. I mean, he could have a great match with all yeah. of them. I mean, even if it was each young buck on their own or Adam Cole, um, obviously Omega, that's another one. He oh, could, that would be a really good he one. Could actually, do it. He could do it because that would it really be doesn't matter match. the style angle was able to, to yeah. adjust to that. It's funny because, um, and I know we're going to touch on this, right? It probably, you know, this is a great segue. All right. right. Let's, talked about all right let's, segue. let's segue. Let's you segue. Know, what, what is Kurt Angle's influence on, you know, wrestling in general? And, and I'm going to say just like this, look at AEW, like the matches we see in AEW, maybe not right at this moment, but when it first started, what we loved about it were those, those banger matches that we would see all the time. And I'm not talking about the flippity floppity boopity boppities. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about like the matches that <laughs> steal the show. Yeah. And you could have a list of five in a pay-per-view or even on a dynamite, there were probably two or three back in the day that you would look at and be like, Oh, this is a great match. And I use that example as the Royal rumble. Um, we don't need every match to be like that. Right. Like yeah. the Chris Benoit versus angle match. But I think those types of matches that you would see influenced AEW, right? Because WWE for a period of time was going away from a lot of that. And you need a couple of those matches where it's technical and you tell the story in the ring and you see like that storytelling that you don't necessarily have to see in every single match, you know? So and, you, and I you, see that influence in AEW. I, I see that type of match. So would are you saying that it's more it, Kurt Angle sort of influenced that style of sort of slowing it down? Yeah. You know, I, well, it, it's not even slowing it down. It's going at a pace that it always was. But right now, all, a lot of the matches tend to have like it's almost on fast forward. Like when you're watching a match, it's like, all right, so yeah. this is happening. Another next thing's going to happen. Another next thing's going to happen. But yeah. I, OK, I see what you're saying. And I, and I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, I don't know if I, I totally agree with it, but I, that's fine. I can see I could see how he, there's some influence there. Yeah, I, I, and maybe it's not just him, but that type of well, that style. Yeah, that's yeah. a very old. Uh, that's a uh, that almost I almost dated myself. Almost said old school. It's not old school, but what it is is I think a more traditional style and the traditional main event guy style, which is a right. little bit slower paced. There's going right. to be more is going to be those kinds of high spots are going to be more peppered in. They're not, right. it's not going to be throughout the whole match. Like there will be like here and there, but that's not really what the match is going to be built around. Right. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. Um, what would you say would be his biggest, you know, legacy? You know, I, I think in terms of how Kurt Angle has affected the business of professional wrestling is that, he showed you that you can go into other arenas and find athletes to come into the world of pro wrestling and be successful. And I think it's opened a lot of doors for, you know, where they are now in terms of where they recruit. Yep. I, I think just recently there was an interview Triple H was doing talking about how they now have this deal where they can start recruiting college athletes as yeah, they're coming out. NIL, right. And I think that's that is such an evolution of this business and such an untapped market in a way. Talking to athletes who aren't going pro, but 
were incredible college athletes and now they're left without this sort of outlet of, well, what do I do now with all of this athleticism, all this skill, all this training now, what, you know, it's just sort of over now once I walk that aisle and get, get my diploma. So this is sort of offering them a a new way, a new skill set for them to develop or to incorporate what they were doing before. And I think Kurt Angle showed that there are people that can come over from those different worlds and with the right training and with the right mindset and and with good mentorship along the way can be incredibly successful and contribute even more to the business. And to, I mean, look at uh, Bianca Belair. Absolutely. Look at, look at Gable Stevenson, and mm-hmm. you haven't seen much of him. Look at um, Chad Shush, Gable, Chad Gable, um, and even uh, Otis. Otis was a a wrestler too. That's right. Um, That's right. I, and and I think what what you've seen is in the past the old school wrestlers would shun those guys because yeah. they're not wrestlers, right? Mm-hmm. And now he opened the door to say, "Hey, look, maybe not everybody is like that. We can use that athletic experience and yeah. move forward." And it's it's a mind shift, and I think you can have the best of both worlds with that. And I 110% agree with you. Um, you know, and it it is a it is a mindset that you have to have when you come into wrestling. It is not mm-hmm. It is not the sports world that you're used to. It's different. It's entertainment. And you have to adapt to them just as much as they have to adapt to you. So I, and I think he showed that it's very possible and very possible at a high level. Um, so I agree, agree 110% with yeah. you. You know, um, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, Mikey. Well, I, I just wanted to touch a, a little bit on, I know we, we, I don't want to focus too much on like the quote unquote downfall because I just don't feel like that's too necessary. But I, I know that, li- listen, it, it's something that a lot of wrestlers struggle with all throughout sports. One of the bigger issues is substance use. And I think that was something he struggled with for a while. And I'm I'm thrilled to see that despite how bad it got for him at certain points. And I know that kind of marred a lot of his TNA run. Which, which sucks because I think he did a lot of good work, but he was sort of struggling with that. Uh, I just wanted to say that I'm, I'm, I'm just thrilled to see where he's at now, that he's, yeah. that he's healthy now, that he got the help that he needed because we've seen so many guys that haven't. And we've seen so many guys that have come in and out of their sobriety or you know their health when it, when it comes to any sort of substance use. So I, I just... I, I just feel like Kurt Angle is like a really good example of of someone who really did the work of looking at what what's what are the barriers to me functioning the way I need to and and address them and I I just I think Kurt Angle is just a great guy so I you know I love Kurt Angle he's the man yeah no I I think it is important to touch on it too because the biggest point and you hit on it is that there's a lot of there's there's two roads you can take right and you a lot of guys haven't taken the high road they've taken the low road and unfortunately they're no longer with us and i would hate to have had this podcast and said kurt angle was a great guy Mm -hmm. and i there was so much more he could have given to the wrestling world and you know he came out of it and he's done a great job managing it and unfortunately like i think a lot of his downfall is that drive to stay on top you know he had basically three broken necks um, Mm -hmm. during his career. And he wrestled through a lot of them to the point where Vince basically said, Hey, you can't do this anymore. It's, it's, it's not working. And then he turned to painkillers to 
push through a lot of it and it was evident that he had issues and right, right. to Vince's credit he said you got to get help and Kurt said no and that's where they had this coming apart wow. and um he ended up going to to TNA and it didn't help all of this and no. his run in TNA was still good but like it you got a shell of Kurt Angle he still got pieces of the good one but unfortunately now in his later part of career he comes back to WWE which I was extremely happy oh, about Oh I was pumped but I I have trouble just watching him move because well, of his like his neck you can just see how badly beat up he was I won't argue that point but I also have to say that I I, I believe that it, he's even said this himself that they didn't allow him to wrestle as much as he wanted to. And because of that, you, you sort of saw the degradation in his abilities as, as that last run went on when he right before he was like, he left TNA and then he was kind of doing some independent stints for a little while, but he was sort of, he said he was keeping himself warm and he was like, I was feeling good. Cause it's almost like in wrestling, even when you have these kinds of injuries and you're a little older, you almost, you need to sort of keep the machine running, like to keep, keep the joints loose and everything. And what happened was he gets on and then he gets put in the general manager role and it's like, well, now you're not really active. And then right. things just started to sort of like, just, uh, I think tighten back up for him, let's say like with the rest of his body and it just got yeah. really difficult for him. Uh, that, but even that, just walking, watching him like oh, walk, I know watching him walk, walk is always rough because he's like, got that. There's a there's there's a shift in like his gait now, like where oh, like every way he walks. Yeah. But a- anyway, the I I my biggest gripe with his run that that last run is I really I I just can't help but wonder was there some sort of grudge that Vince was holding on him when he was there? Like he yeah he signed him back and. It, that listen that that cool six man thing when he was like a part of the shield because I think like Roman had like a staff infection or something like that like Roman couldn't wrestle so it was like it was Angle Rollins and Mox and I I, I can't help but wonder like did Vince just not want this to really succeed or to like see this as like a like a like he's teaching him a lesson. Because yeah. there were so many decisions made throughout that final run that I that I, I just can't help but just shake my head at. I, I don't know what was going on, especially his final match. There's all this buildup and and it could have been such a wonderful moment. And I feel like it just happened with a whimper, you know, like he just kind of went off with a whimper. Like there was no there wasn't the same kind of celebration of him that we've seen already with other guys. Agreed. You know? Yeah. I mean, Triple H got his own entrance the second night of WrestleMania just to come out and say, welcome to WrestleMania. And that was like his kind of final thing. And he put the boots in the ring. Undertaker, for all the 17 times he retired, was able to have 25-minute chance after a match because they it was his last one. What did Kurt Angle get? Baron yeah. Corbin in a lackluster build to a match. And I just think they could have done a lot better with him they could have done a lot better i i had my you know one of my dream matches would have been him one more time versus cena i always feel like that would have been a really great full circle moment as he was he was john cena's first match in wwe so it would have been really great to see him be kurt angle's final match in wwe and you know cena wouldn't have phoned it in or i i think just has cena already had that kind of 
legacy about him where it could have sold the match itself. Mm-hmm. And I think would have maybe made Kurt Angle a bit more enthusiastic too. Cause imagine Kurt Angle going into yeah. th- this final thing with Baron Corbin, like, and, and I don't want it to sound like I'm shitting on Corbin, but it, it's, it's just the decisions that were made, made this match lackluster to me. And, and that final run. That's- Mike, you hit the nail on the head. I, um, I t- completely agree, but unfortunately it's uh, WWE's MO or Vince's MO. When it I know. Comes to stuff like that. I know. And, what to to Kurt's credit, you know, I think he looks at it like I'm very grateful to be back here. Like that's how he looks at it. And I think he obviously doesn't love the way that it ended as well. But I give him credit for being like, you know what? I messed up. I came back. I'm glad I'm home. And I'm just happy to be home. And yeah. you know, he's I think maybe with Triple H you'll see a little bit more of his involvement from a legend standpoint, which I'm hoping. I think, you know, he can. Um, the other thing is how much does he want to be? You know, he seems to be very happy with his family and everything. And and right. and I think that's great. Um, but I agree. I think his send off could have been a lot better. Um, and Cena would have been a great way to do it. Um, but to me, that's, that is not what made his career anyways. No. Um, and I don't think people will remember that as much as they'll remember everything else about Kurt Angle. So um, yeah, that, that, that's my standpoint, but I agree with you. I don't think it was the best way to end it. So, right. Right. Uh, well, what's left on, on our on our agenda today, Vito? We got uh, we got a couple of listener questions. All right. Should we should we uh, read these bad boys out? Yeah. All right. Go for All, it. Right. All right. Th- these are going to be directed at you. All right. Okay. All right. This All is right. from yeah. King Kyoto seventy eight. Oh, somebody loves a little Mike Kyoto. Uh, who would win, Team Angle or American Alpha? Uh, Jason Jordan and Chad Gable. Uh, they seemed like they could have been a modern day team angle if they stuck together long enough. Yep. What do you think? Um, I mean, I'm just going to play bias here. I'm going to say team angle all the way. All I right. mean, all right. let's yeah. think about that. You Felton got Benjamin, Charlie yeah. Oss. Yeah, but you have the ultimate teacher in Kurt Angle leading mm. the pack, mm. right? Like, yeah. Yeah. how can you? Uh, how can you not? Yeah, I, I, I think I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you on this one. I remember the I remember seeing American Alpha down at NXT and I think we saw them wrestle, didn't we? We might have we might have seen them wrestle. But. A little bit. I wasn't I was phased off a little bit at that point. It was a low point for me with WWE, but yeah. um but yeah, I, I I think Team Angle all the way. I don't think yeah. it's even close. Although I will tell you that Chad Gable has done a great job, you know, doing his modern day Kurt Angle. You know, <laughs> He's actually doing I great. Do Him love, and Otis are it. a yeah. much better team than I anticipated. Oh, I love it. I love it very much. But I think it's it's clear. I mean, do you agree? Disagree? Uh, no, I agree. I, I think American Alpha didn't get enough time to really sort of catch on. They yeah. were mainly down at NXT, and then they kind of got separated once they came up to the main roster. But yeah, I remember hearing rumors about them wanting Kurt Angle to like come in and do something with them as like a yeah. modern day team angle. So that's it's a good question. Um, all right. Yeah, so and there's no way you know that that storyline about Jordan um, with Kurt Angle being his father. That that, that was stupid. It was no. Stupid. It was so dumb. It, it should have been Chad Gable. It, it, it just wasn't. Been, yeah, it, it wasn't been, good. It wasn't yeah. good. Uh, all right. So the, the the we only have two questions. So the the last That's one fine. is from Tony Cant nineteen. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, a lot of people say his final match with. All right. So here we go. This is kind of what we were talking about. His final yeah. match with Corbin should have been with John Cena because of the rivalry in 
2002. Besides Cena, if you could pick one wrestler from any company, which would you choose for his final match? Yeah. Oh, um, okay. So that's a I, little bit of a different take. Yeah. So I, I agree it should have been with Cena. Um, that would have been my my choice. But, um, you know, I would have, I would have, if, if we're talking about like what could have been done, mm-hmm. if, like based on ages and everything, I would have 100% chose Edge or Rey Mysterio. Interesting. Yeah, I think Edge would have been great. Um, uh, I think, you know, you get a guy who's coming back off an injury that he thought his career was over, ending someone's career who didn't think he'd be back in WWE. I think there would have been a lot Hmm. to be said by that. And if they wanted to take the stipulation to the next level, it could have been hair versus career. You know, (laughs) Edge's hair shaving off versus Kurt Angle's career. You know, I can't believe I'm, I kind of agree with you. I, ah. I think I, I would be, I would have been happy with, with that edge or Ray Mysterio, given the history that those guys have had. Yeah. I think that could work. I could, you could put I Lesnar know we didn't go outside of another company, but that is uh, those guys were there. And like, if you wanted to bury Kurt Angle, like you kind of did with the Baron Corbin, why not just have, Brock Lesnar come in and just, just destroy him one last time. Him. Just yeah. give him one last F5. Yeah. Like, hey, Kurt, love you. Let's drink some milk after this and let me right. drop you with an F5. All right. Correct. All right. All right. Well, so, hey, great QA, short and sweet, but hold on. Hold on. I got what? one more. One what? more. One more. Surprise. We could do Ric Flair versus Kurt Angle in a, <laughs> another rematch of Ric Flair's last match <laughs> oh okay all right one last time yeah i swear one last time again is it yeah. might, you might see me again yeah one <laughs> last time again <laughs> i was like rock and cena once yeah. in a lifetime well not really we'll see yeah. you next year <laughs> oh god all right this has been good this has been a good episode it's been fun yep it's true it's true. oh it's true it's, it's true nice nice all right so Great listener questions. Keep them coming. Uh, I will give you a little bit of a. Should we should give them a little preview. Next episode is sure. We got a our build to Survivor Series and AEW Full Gear coming up. So our next episode is going to be focusing on a preview of those. Also, just you know, chatting about some of the the hot topics in pro wrestling. So it'll Lock be one of our in real life episodes. Um, and. Uh, you never know. The episode after that might be in a Survivor Series review with uh, your starting from Gorilla host possibly going to Survivor Series this year. We'll see. Yep. It remains to be seen, but we're we're hopeful. We're very hopeful. hopeful. Very hopeful. Well, folks, uh, as always, keep up with us on the socials. Keep listening. Keep subscribing. We love hearing your questions, so keep those coming in too. And uh, until next time, keep on strutting. We now return your perception of reality to you. Until next time.